The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Terry Lyons. He was one of David Stern's first hires at the NBA, even before David Stern was even commissioner of the NBA. He spent 26 years at the league as the former vice president of international communications for the NBA. You can read his opinion and also get his takes on sports business at digitalsportsdesk.com. Also on the consulting side, sports, entertainment, media, and other outlets at terrylyons.com. Terry, what was the biggest PR challenge you faced while at the NBA? Well, Noah, that's one of the toughest questions I've ever had because it it just uh, takes up so much time and so many things that came through the NBA. But I would say, uh, you know, someone off the top of my head, I guess, is that there were crisis issues like um, the Palace of Auburn Hills incident or the um, uh, Donaghy referee incident, and those were very difficult. But then there were just big picture things like the dream team. I think there were two really impactful um, just happenings. And one of the, was Urban Magic Johnson um, first revealing that he had the HIV retiring, but then coming back to play in the 92 All-Star game and then ultimately the dream team, which had an amazing impact. And then lastly, I think just Yao Ming's entire NBA um, existence and career were so impactful. So it sort of comes in different buckets. How, how did you prepare for Magic's announcement? Well, it was, we were winging it. You know, it, um, I'll tell a quick story is that I was down in Orlando preparing for the 92 All-Star game. We were revealing the All-Star ballot in which, of course, Magic was on the ballot. Uh, Brian McIntyre, my boss and the, the great uh, Hall of Fame level PR guy uh, was with David Stern out in Salt Lake to announce that the 93 game was going to be in Salt Lake when they got the call and uh, immediately folded that press conference and jumped on a plane to Los Angeles where, you know, as you look at the video, you see David right behind magic, right where, right where a commissioner should be, I might add. So it was just on the go. And Brian paged me in Orlando. We finished the press conference and then I got on a plane. I was scheduled to stay and do some planning, but I headed back to the league office that night to deal with what we knew was was coming. Um, the, the one thing to think about in that is that the NBA was somewhat, you know, doing quite well in the mid 90s. It wasn't like sort of the disaster days of the early 80s. Um, but we were always on the back page of the papers and, and the sports stuff. And when Irvin announced that he had the HIV virus and was really the first very prominent American to do so, certainly in sports, it became front page news. And that is a big difference. Um, and of course, our mechanisms, we dealt pretty regularly with the sports media, but we're now dealing in a whole other area. And that was uh, a challenge for sure. What was that night like back at the office? Um, you know, it was it, the, the thing that as I think back, and I can't say I, I've really thought about this in years and years, was there was such a learning curve. And we, you know, the medical community had been dealing with the HIV virus and AIDS to epidemic proportions, of course, for 10 years, but none of us knew anything about it. 
And so there was a learning curve that had to occur. And immediately, media were, were seeking answers from us that the medical community hadn't been able to, you know, to put forth. So it was so amazing. And so, you know, to play it out, what ended up happening at that 92 All-Star game is that we, we took the whole Disney ballroom, which no one I think had ever done, and we sort of carved it up. And there were education sessions for the players, education sessions for the media, um, you know, Dr. Ho, who had worked with Irvin all those years and it, it still does, I believe, really became a um, incredible um, asset to the NBA. And and then off we went. And of course, you know, Magic in his own way decided that he was going to do something about it and and try to make a positive out of it. And, and certainly that those days, I didn't think he'd still be with us. And, and that's how much we had to learn. I said all the time, I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news. I was driving up the driveway coming home from elementary school. I remember who I called first. I called my buddy Alex Price as soon as I got inside. And and I think I was in the majority of, of those who just thought that you know Magic was going to die. And even now when I see Magic all these years later, I'm that's still my first thought in my head is, it's remarkable that Magic Johnson is still here. What was, what, what was the response to the NBA's response at the time? You know, I, I think in 1992, there just wasn't this critical nature of media and the constant probing and testing and second guessing. And I think everybody just did the best they could. You know, and I, I remember, what, uh, you know, there's certainly the shock of that announcement that November, but the Elation, and you know, I can remember being in Russ Granick's office, and uh, he's going to play in the All Star game, you know, with a big smile on my face, and you know, immediately just tripling everything that we had planned for in size and scope and um, budget and all that, just knowing that the whole world was going to descend on us, and in and then in a million years, even if I was bold enough to try to write a script for what would happen in the game, you know, come on, there was just no way (laughs) to predict that, you know, and and it took a life of its own to just amaze, you know, of course, Dick Enberg calling the game too, just in such a great professional and, you know, memorable way. Um, You know, I highly recommend people Google it. And then, so from that into the dream team, you're still you're still dealing with the fallout from from Magic's announcement. How were you able to preemptively answer questions about Magic Johnson before getting to Barcelona? I think the time helped. That fact that Magic played in February, and it sort of became okay. This is all right. You know, we're all learning. And by the time we got to Barcelona, that road had been paved. So there was, you know, and then you're plugging into the bigger picture of the Olympic system of, of dealing with everything and the media that they credentialed and press conferences that they arranged. And we plugged into the system, quite frankly. Um, and it was great. And of course, the international reception from Magic was just in absolute awe of him, you know, and, and, and not to mention the rest of the team. But you know, Michael was a, a solid third on that team behind Irvin, who was embracing it, and Larry, who was sort of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And and um, just an amazing period of time. And then, of course, you know, in sports, there's a great equalizer, and that's can you play or not? 
And all of a sudden, he was pretty good, you know. <laughs> he went from being the MVP to the dream team, and maybe he, you know, didn't have the wind or the total stamina he would have in midseason form. But, boy, could Irvin play the game and pass the ball. And, and you know, that team rallied around his energy. And, you know, it was Charles' scoring and, you know, ridiculous. I can go through the roster, of course. But, but um it was one of those you cannot believe it. And I, I would say it was so, so impactful. And, and I really chose that word um, because I think he saved lives because people were educated that it could happen to them. And he carried a torch um, to, to unbelievable lengths when you all think back at it. You know? What's the behind-the-scenes moment that we didn't get to see that you'll, uh, never, that you'll never forget from 92? Oh, boy. Um, you know, leading up to the game, it wouldn't it wouldn't be at Barcelona really. My my memorable moment was that Irvin hadn't played, and he had, Pat Riley had worked him out at the Garden, which was on a little bit and all. But he came to shoot by you know to shoot by himself in Orlando Arena, and I had set up shop in one of the baselines where you know we were starting to build a press section, and I was like the only guy in the arena, <laughs> and. And he, I saw him out there shooting and just went out and we embraced. And I think I rebounded for him for a minute or two. <laughs> and it was, okay, back to normal. You know? he, he, didn't, he, didn't seem, he didn't seem anxious or, or, or nervous no, about the moment? No, not. It was like same old, same old. And off, hey, man, let's go. You know, and you know his personality. It's just everything's going to be all right. You know, okay, I'm in. And that was, let, let's go. We're going to put this platform underneath this game and we got it covered let's let's go and it was that simple i hate to say as, as enormous as it was and you know looking back you can't believe you got through the day but it was business as usual you know and, and keep in mind that you know there's a couple hundred people at the nba between events and you know the legal staff and the basketball staff there's a lot of people rowing in the direction to be able to pull something off like that Look, looking back on the on the entire magic announcement and what happened after that with All-Star and, and the Dream Team. Is there anything you would have done differently? No, no, not for a second. That's really impressive. Not, you know, and I could, I mean, I could think, sit here for an hour and think hard about, you know, did we do, we were a lot of bumps in the road and we were all learning how to deal with the whole Olympic thing, you know, but that was on us, not on Irvin. And um, and to this point, to the point today, some of the, the very USOC people that we were learning from and certainly at USA Basketball, the relationships became so rock solid that uh, a bunch of the USA Basketball people are amongst my very best friends in the world today. Terry, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Very good. It's, it's a pleasure, and I uh, applaud your efforts with your podcast. Thank you. Have you rated and reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes? Have you? Be honest. Instead of searching for the perfect GIF to send in a text, do this instead. Actually, you can do both. They both take about 15 seconds. Also, tell your friends about the program and have them subscribe. For more on Terry, go to terrylyons.com. That's L-Y-O-N-S.com, at Terry Lyons on Twitter. DigitalSportsDesk.com, at DigSportsDesk on Twitter. He had a front row seat for some of the signature moments on and off the floor in NBA history. And yes, stressful, I'm sure, but speaking with him now and over the past handful of years or so, it's easy to figure out why he was so good at his job and still is 
given the way he handles himself with such composure. And again, back to Magic Johnson, I was nine years old back in 1991 and thought Magic was going to die. Everyone did. And then being around him a bit as a professional, nobody owns a room like Magic. He's got a smile for every situation. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.